This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're haunted by our moral lapses. And so if we can listen to ghost stories, listen to the ghost, we can be better informed about how to be better people. And, and I think that's the real, you know, utility I see in ghost stories. I'm Melissa. And I'm Hadley. We're two interior design editors obsessed with the paranormal. This Halloween, we're stepping away from the beautiful homes we usually write about to tell a different kind of story. From cursed cottages to abandoned estates, we're uncovering the twisted histories of America's most notorious homes. So lock your doors and leave the lights on. This is Dark House. So my warm-up question for you, do you know what you're supposed to do if you get kidnapped and they put you in the trunk of the car? No. Really? I mean, like, just knock yourself out so you don't remember it. That is not the right answer. I don't know. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to kick the taillight out and, like, either get your hand out of the hole of of the taillight or, like, anything that's in the car, like, a shirt, a a rag, whatever, and, like, stick it out and wave it. So now I know that if the killer gets you, you're a goner. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, good to know. Anyways, we can get started. Yes. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dark House. I'm Hadley Mendelson, your co-host and also a senior editor at House Beautiful. And I'm Alyssa Fiorentino, your other co-host. I'm the director of brand strategy and audience development at House Beautiful. And we somehow convinced our boss to let us make a podcast about haunted houses. I'm kidding, kind of. Well, half kidding, we'll say. I mean, like it's, it started out as a joke. Well, really it all started when we realized we were both obsessed with ghosts and the paranormal. Right. Like I vividly remember one time after I was probably steamrolling a meeting to tell a ghost story about why I didn't get any sleep the night before. Um, I remember after you pulled me aside and you were like, first of all, love that we can both talk about this. And you, you were like very interested in the details of the story too. And I was like, thank you for giving me this platform. Um, but then one day it was also like, oh, we should do a podcast about haunted houses. But then it was like, wait, why not a podcast about haunted houses? Yeah, it does make sense because as editors at House Beautiful, we investigate the stories behind beautiful homes and the magazine has been doing that for 125 years. So this isn't that different. It's just that these homes maybe aren't so welcoming anymore. And as design editors, we're so fascinated by the idea of a house being the thing that's haunted, not just you know, a random bar or a hotel, but the house that you live in and are meant to be safe in and that we're also obsessed with talking about decorating so that it feels like a place that can help you become your best self. Plus, I'd already done like half the research because I write about an article a day about haunted and abandoned houses every October. And not begrudgingly either. I'm like, that's my favorite time of year because to be an editor, because I can just like, you know, research and learn about all of this stuff that I'm so fascinated by. Right. Like you are not phoning it in. And the first time I read your most haunted homes in America story, I was like, oh, hell yes, this girl can hang. 
I feel like another moment where you realize that was when I was telling you about how I like to go to um, open houses on Sundays. But um, I like to go into the creepy ones because I feel like they have such interesting, not even stories, but I can like make up the stories in my head about what went down there. Once I was walking by the Los Feliz murder mansion house, like trying to peek in. And then when we were trying to go see what it looked like from behind, um, I don't know what we were even trying to do. Like you can't see much, but we ran into the Frank Lloyd Wright Blade Runner house and the gardener saw us and was like, come in for a private tour. So sometimes it can lead to very like, you know, again, on brand for House Beautiful kind of activities. No, you're totally right. And I do agree. And these stories are really important, but that's exactly why we're here to tell these stories. So here's how it's going to work. In the coming weeks, you'll hear about four American homes that are infamous for their dark histories. We're going to tell you about how these houses fell from grace. We're going to research who lived there, who died there, and all the strange stories that suggest perhaps their spirits never left. Fair warning, the houses we're covering in Dark House have all been marked by tragic deaths. So like most true crime podcasts, we will be touching on topics that might be triggering for some people. We decided to split up the stories, so we've each picked two infamous houses to research and report back on. But to make things a little bit more interesting, we're actually keeping them a secret from each other until the day we record each episode. Yeah, and our producer knows all of the houses already, and she made sure that we didn't pick the same ones. And they're also all in different parts of the country. Yeah, because we wanted to make sure that they're all in different regions so we can really get the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we wanted to do here besides tell these stories is talk to experts who actually work in the field. So like I said, I love to explore weird houses and even abandoned ones, but I've never done a paranormal investigation for a few reasons, but mainly because I would just be way too scared to. Right. So we're going to talk to the pros who actually do do that to learn more about these houses and to learn why haunted houses in general are just such a huge part of our history and our culture. So in the second half of each episode, Hadley and I will interview a surprise guest. Yep. So like the houses, we've each picked two guests that the other co-host does not know about yet and also corresponds with the house that we chose. Okay. But like, I am really, really excited about my two guests. Me too. I'm like really worried about keeping it a secret mostly, but I think I can, I think I can keep my lips sealed. I don't know how well I'm going to do. I feel like sometimes... It's hard for me to keep a secret like this, but I'm going to try. Yeah, I mean, actually, I don't know why I said I can keep my lips sealed because like when in my life have I ever done that? I know, but it's fine. (laughs) I can't tell you my houses right now, but I can tell you that they're also really good. And I think I can say this actually without giving too much away. My first house has sort of roots in, in pop culture. So if you're into that, stay tuned. I can try to give you a hint about mine too then. I can tell you right now that one of them is the inspiration behind a really famous book. Ooh. Is it The Haunting of Hill House? I know that's your go-to. No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't be that obvious. Also, like, as much as I wish that house were a real thing, it's just not. Um, But it is my holy grail. I'm obsessed with the Netflix show and the Shirley Jackson book, Um, even though I, like, can never sleep after it. I think I've watched it now three times through, and I'm at the point now where I'll, like, pause it and then write down my musings on it, basically just dissecting it until it's no longer scary. Is that just what you tell yourself? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. That is, yeah, that is. It's a very like self-soothing, it's a good tactic. But it has like a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I feel like tells me that I'm not the only one who's into scaring myself. No, I mean, you're definitely not. Do you do that? No. Um, I I like more of the kind of cheesy horror shows like Teen Wolf oh my, or Vampire Diaries. Okay, okay well, Vampire I, Diaries I can get behind. Like turn it off with the emotions is what my best friend plays for me when I'm like, 
upset about something that should. Oh, I wish me. I could turn off my <laughs> humanity, too. please. Um, I know. The scariest that I would go, I guess, in terms of like a TV show, I think it's just like, it's like supernatural um, because that one's scary to me because it's so like based on, on folklore, which is like, in the, you know, the writers didn't just like pull this stuff out of thin air. They're not making up these monsters. They're all like real origin stories that have been told for years and years. And for me, I'm like, some of it's not that believable, but a lot of the times I'm just like, well, did somebody see Bigfoot or not? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for me, like Loch Ness Monster is my obsession, but um, I'm also fascinated by folklore. But as always, I'm not really sure what I believe. And that includes ghosts. Because, um, you know, as obsessed as I may be, I change my mind every second. Um, I'm just going to go out and ask, do you believe in ghosts? Well, so I kind of don't really have a choice in whether or not to believe because I see ghosts. I feel like that sounded very much like, you know, I see dead people kind of thing. So can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening is like, okay, I'm leaving the chat now. Bye. (gasps) Um, But... I don't know. I mean, I also like if we're talking about are we weird? Is there something wrong with us? I'm not the only person who sees ghosts. Like I know that for a fact because I've talked to people who see the exact same thing as me. But um, I also just like don't really talk about it a lot. Like I have like close friends who don't even know half of my ghost stories just because I don't know. Your phone's about to blow up. and They're gonna be like, can we please talk? They're probably going to unfollow me on Instagram, disown me. No, I mean, I, th- I like, I don't, I don't think my stories are that like uncommon, honestly. I'm sure they're not. Can I hear one of them though? Yeah, I mean, well, the first time that I saw a ghost was actually in this house when I was 10 years old. Uh, like in the room you're in right now kind of thing or? In the room I'm in right now, in the bed I'm sitting in right now. And you're not scared? No. Wow, okay, we're so different. I would be like, I wouldn't have to move out. Um, so basically back then I always slept on my stomach, facing the wall, like without fail. So it was the middle of the night and I woke up, I rolled over. So now I'm facing into my bedroom and I saw like a full apparition of a guy behind, like my, I don't sleep with the door closed. Like that's just one of my things. I'm not going to be doing that. So my door is open, right? Like my bedroom door opens into the room. I get that you weren't scared because like it felt like, oh, just, like you were comfortable with it for some reason. But just seeing a guy in your room when you're trying to sleep, I just looked out the window like who's on the fire escape. Well, he also, the way he was standing, I think most people would have been freaked out by. Cause well, he how was, is like, he standing? Like behind the door. So I could only see sort of like Ew, half of him I'm sticking really, out. I'm home alone. You're scaring me. Well... You asked to hear this. Uh, Anyways. Okay, sorry. Keep going. I'll try to get it together. So my bedroom door opens into the room and my closet door is like kind of adjacent to it. So when the bedroom door is open, mm. there's like this little sliver of space between the two doors, right? And he was standing between the two <laughs> doors. So half of his body wasn't visible. And I knew who it was. So some neighbors of ours their cousin had died maybe a couple months before that. I don't really know the exact Mm. timeline. I just know it was after he died and it was him. So anyways, I see him. I roll back over and go to sleep. He was 18 when he died. So he was young. I mean, I was 10, so he was older than me, but. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's young. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I even knew anyone who had died at that point yet in my life. So, so it was like really Mm -hmm. shocking, I guess. Um, Yeah. Wait, can I ask though, like, what did you do? Like, did you 
tell a parent? Did you like, were you like, or did you pretty quickly in your head reconcile, okay, that's someone visiting me from some, from different realm? Well, like a little bit of both. So I knew, I don't know how to explain it. I just knew immediately, yeah, a, yeah. this is a ghost. B, I know who he is. Okay. So I go back to bed, but by the next morning, you know, thinking back about what happened, I, look, I'm a cancer and- Me too. Yeah. So like a huge thing for cancers is like family. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I was just trying to understand what had happened, I was like, okay, so he obviously came here for a reason. And in my head, I was like, well, maybe I was just the closest that he could get to like a family member. Yeah. And I was like, well, if that's the case, then I'm not going to be the one to not pass along a message. So I Uh told my mom, which in hindsight, looking back on it now, to me is confirmation that it happened because I was like such a shy and awkward kid And I knew this was important enough that I have to go say something because otherwise I wouldn't have. Yeah. It's like, it's like waking up your parent to be like, wow, I was the opposite. You'll hear about that. It's like waking them up to be like, oh, I wet the bed. Like it's awkward. It's not something you want to go tell somebody, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I have to, like, this is Mm -hmm. important. Um, But then it literally happened again, not long after, like same exact thing. I'm sleeping on my stomach facing the wall. I wake up, roll over. And this time... It was a little girl, again, full apparition. Mm. She was wearing like a white nightgown that had like this like pink sort of trim ribbon thing on it. It really looked like an American girl doll nightgown. I have a nightgown like that and it's getting tossed I bet away. you do. <laughs> and she, was, she wasn't behind the door, she, but it, like against that same wall, I had a dresser and a hamper next to it. And she was like crouched down next to the hamper and dresser. But same thing. I see her. I roll back over. And I go back to bed, like no fear whatsoever. But like immediately upon seeing her, I was like, ghost. Whoa. But I didn't know who she was. So I never told anybody. I wonder who she was. Maybe she just was like, it used to be her house or something. Maybe. I have no idea. But since I didn't know who she was, I was like, all right, tuck that one away. Uh, Moving on. So the thing that's weird, though, is like this house I've never lived anywhere else or like my family has never lived anywhere else while I was alive. Yeah. This house was a new build. It was brand new construction. You're outside of Boston, right? Yeah. Just like north of Boston. So I'm like, okay, it shouldn't be like haunted per se. Well, I was just going to ask about like, yeah, okay, maybe they had a, it was a new build, but like who knows what was on that land before. Because when I was like, I stayed with my friend for a while in Cohasset, which is like near Boston too. And it is also new builds. But um, the backstory is that like, it used to be this like huge estate of one family. And now the person is like, who like owned it is not happy with the way that it was like, broken up into these like different houses now. And so it's also haunted, even though it's a total new build. Oh, wow. So that's interesting. Possible. Yeah, I feel like it I is. mean, I'm not the only one who has seen ghosts in this house. Hmm. So my mom runs a daycare out of our house. Mm-hmm. And when I was in college, she had one little boy who kept seeing people uh, in our neighbor's yard. Oh, my god! And then he saw something in our downstairs bathroom. But I'm just like, okay, so cool. So I'm not alone. Like, yeah, he yeah, saw yeah. too. No, that must have been pretty, like, validating. Um, I mean, I feel like I have the opposite experience. Can I tell you a little bit about what yeah, my house please. was like growing up? Okay. So it's a classic old Victorian from the late 1800s in San Francisco. So it's kind of like the full house house. Oh, that's a good visual. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so my parents haven't told me too much about what it was like when they got it and who lived there before and all of that stuff, but the people they bought it from couldn't take care of the house because it was very much a fixer upper by the time my parents moved in. 
And so what they did whatever renovations they needed to make. And like you too, I grew up in the house. There's a lot of the like original stuff, you know, the moldings, the hardwood floors, a lot of layers of history there, right? So I've always been scared when I'm in the house alone. I think it's sort of like a combination of my anxious tendencies, but also like, I'm not kidding you to this day when I walk in the house, I feel like I sort of am like, put under a spell and a a familiar one because I like it's my house I love it it's sort of like my my energy sort of shifts when I'm there um anyway it has like I said really high ceilings and windows that rattle and so there are certain things about it that I'm like okay this feels sort of like an old haunted house um even if it's not it just has you know those qualities but basically um my parents have like huge personalities and fill the place to the brim it's like when they're gone it feels very empty um and so it's like lonely but also like it feels like there might be something else there with me. Like the absence becomes a presence of its own. And so my sister and I talk about it pretty regularly. And she's convinced that there's a sort of section in the house that feels really scary. And when she said that to me, I was like, oh yeah, it's definitely the main level, like that bathroom, for example. And she goes, well, yeah, that bathroom, every time I use it, I say, thank you. And I'm like, who are you thinking? And she was like, the lady, like she thinks there's like a lady in it or something. I'm like, okay. The Um, bathroom attendant. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, tip her too on your way out. Um, But she thinks it's like more vertical and that part of the main hub of it is in my childhood bedroom. And so like that would explain a lot because I was a weird kid. And like you were saying, you were really shy. Personally, for me, it's like they gave me the dog's ashes and I would like play fetch with them or like- I know. And like at school, I got in big trouble because there was this like ledge on the playground and they kind of like put a plastic like rounded barrel over it to prevent kids from like bumping their head on it. But I used to like recruit kids at recess to put our ears against the ledge to listen to it. And because it was hollow, there'd be like whistling and weird echoes and stuff. And I would say like, those are the voices of the little kids who have left the class. Like the teachers are lying to us when they say that they just transferred or moved across the country. And so I got in big trouble. I blame the Bailey school kids. I was a freak, but maybe it's because I had to grow up in that room. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you have been influenced by this house. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Also just like big imagination. We'll say that, but basically my sister and I used to share a room and it was in the part of the house that she thinks is super creepy. And she tells this story that basically when we were little, I was still in a crib and um, she was sleeping on the bottom bunk of a castle shaped bed that our great uncle had built for us. And from that bed, you can like the windows look out at Alcatraz and like you can still see the spotlight so that like they would use it to make sure no one had escaped. Like that's what would lull me to sleep. And that's then also, your nightlight. Totally. And then also like the fog horns. So all of it sets the mood, right? Anyway, she said she woke up And she saw what she thought was a tall blonde woman wearing like a really pretty blue dress um, sitting at the edge of the bed. And she kept telling my parents that like the tooth fairy came and she wasn't really scared and she like knew that she saw something, but she just thought that it was almost like maternal. And she's been telling me that story for years. And I used to just be like, okay, you were having a dream about the tooth fairy. But then when I was older at some kind of dinner or something around when I was in college, my mom, I asked her, has anyone died in the house? And she blurted out like, oh, a baby died in that back room that you guys used as a bed when you were little. Oh. And I, you know me, I had like a full freak out where I was like, that's so, why are you telling me? I don't want to know that. I can never come home again. But and- is your family like mine where it's like, I just, I'm the last to know to this day. I'm 28 yeah. and I still don't know half of like the things. And oh, I, like, yeah. they'll tell, I'll find out now. And I'm like, what? Well, I mean, like, rightly so. I did not handle it well. So I get why they, but also my mom could have been just like messing with me because she's like, 
you're into this stuff. I mean, she immediately was like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So who knows? I don't really know. But a few years ago, I was like, I want to get to the bottom of who lived in this house before me. One, because I love history, but also because like, do can any of that corroborate what my sister saw? and like the energies that I've felt. So I like went deep in the public library archives and I found that the family that lived in our house in the 1800s and early 1900s and the mother's wake was held at our house. And I found the original newspaper clip where it was like, I'm not going to say my address obviously, but it said the exact address. And it was held on May 25th, 1902 when she died at the age of 50, which to me sounds like I know it was a long time ago, but it's young. And like, I don't know if that's who my sister saw or not, but I just know that like the idea of a family living in this house that to me feels so much like my house is like, there were other people who felt just as like territorial over it, you know? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, yes, I get it, but like, no, because I, no one else has ever lived in this house. It's interesting that your sister feels something in the bathroom I mean, I do too. I don't, I just don't use it though. Cause I'm like, I don't want to go in there. That's so weird. I know. Well, and it's really cool. There's like custom painting and it's nice. Like I should go in it more. I feel like your house should be one of our houses. My parents would seriously like, I mean, they don't believe in this stuff. So it's hard. Cause they just like, you know. Yeah. No, it is really hard to like, I mean, I actually don't care. I'm like, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, like, I just don't care. It doesn't matter. And I also don't care if like you you wholeheartedly don't believe in ghosts. Like, okay, cool, great. Like, yeah, we can have different beliefs. That's fine. That's the thing. I fall very much in the middle where like some, there are certain things that happen where I'm like, that to me felt otherworldly. But also like, I simply find this entertaining and fascinating. And I like talking about it. So I like talking to you because you provide me with this other sort of like insight where you really see ghosts. Do you have any other stories about times that you've seen anything? I have so many stories. Those two first stories I told you, those were the only times I can ever remember seeing a full apparition. Uh, To me, it's like, as you get older, your your sight goes, right? And I think it's the same Mm. for seeing ghosts. As I got older, I couldn't see full apparitions anymore. And so it started to be uh, in like middle school and high school. I don't have many memories of it. It started happening again in college, but in college I was seeing like a black flash. That's the best way I can describe it. Wow. Yeah. So um, that happened a few times. I mean, like I went to Fordham in the Bronx and it's allegedly haunted, some of the dorms at least. So I saw a couple in the dorms. The most haunted place I've ever been was like this club that I like interned at in college. I feel like Um, if anything's going to be haunted, it's going to be a godforsaken club. I hate clubs. It was supposedly like the oldest nightclub in Boston. So I guess I'll just tell you the story quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because it involves a bathroom. So... Basically, I interned for this entertainment group and they owned a couple clubs and restaurants in Boston and their office was above one of the clubs. One of my responsibilities as an intern was um, to go into the club during the day and change all the posters in the bathroom that like, you know, say who the DJ is that weekend. That's a hilarious internship. I know. So um, from the very first time I did it, I was like, just so put off the club itself. Like, Hmm. hell no, you could not pay me to go back. So like, first of all, it's very old. Like you needed a key to operate the elevator, if I remember correctly, at least just to get onto the floor that is the club. I don't like using those kinds of elevators anyway, because I'm like, this just might break. It's going to break. Yeah, exactly. So you know how new cars now all have like that kind of like radar system as you're backing up, it starts to beep. So, you know, okay. So my whole body is the radar system, right? Okay, Okay. So when I'm in the elevator, it's like beep, beep, beep. And 
This is during the day. The whole club is completely shut down, pitch black. Every single light is off except maybe the Ew. light in the bathroom. So as I don't I'm like, get, I would be like calling in sick. Are you kidding? No, I literally, but like, you know, when you're an intern, you're so scared to like do anything wrong. So I was like, I'm yeah. just going to do it. I'll just go suck Especially it up. Especially us. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Wait, I find that so like endearing about you that like, you even wanted to do a good job like ripping off these posters. That's so cute. Literally, like the work ethic just never stops, okay? So I'm like walking through this club, pitch black, getting to the bathroom. And by the time I'm in the bathroom, the radar is flatlining, okay? Like Mm -hmm. I am not okay. And so like it is full panic mode. The closest thing I can can compare it to is like you were afraid of your attic, right? Well, Mm -hmm. I wasn't like afraid of my basement, but like if I had to go down there at night because that's where our printer was and that I wouldn't do my homework until like literally 3 a.m. So so everybody else was asleep and I'd have to go down there alone. I'd have to turn the printer on. Then I'd have to come back upstairs, send it from the computer to print. Exactly. Like, you know, the back and forth, it's terrible. And every single time I'm sprinting back upstairs. Yeah. And your poor little heart rate is like, ah. For what and for (laughs) what reason? But literally it was, that's how it felt in this club times a hundred. Like I just, my whole body was like, get the hell out of here. And one day I'm out running errands with the manager of the club, but he starts telling me that in the nineties, a girl, she was 20 years old and she came to America to, to be a nanny for the summer. Okay. Um, she, the last place she was seen was this club before she was found dead. Well, they found the top half of her body in a dumpster. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So someone had like murdered her and like dismembered her body. That's so horrible. Yeah. And they never found the bottom half of her body. Uh. And so he's telling me this story. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Although it's still unsolved. The way that this place made me feel like it's not just one person's spirit there. Okay. Like this place is, was infested. Infested by more than just like the sticky beer on the floor. Right. And I didn't even ever see a ghost in there. Okay. It was just like my whole body, like telling me like, get out. out. This is is not right. Whatever. And one time I was walking to the bathroom and in between like the elevator and the bathroom, I could hear like the sound of a party happening on the other side of the wall. Like I could hear people talking. I could hear them face something, but it's the middle of the day and no one's there. It was like the most haunted place I've ever been. Holy, holy. I mean, I believe it. I just like, I don't know. I have so many questions, especially about myself. Like, how how am I seeing ghosts in a home that's brand new? Like, is it the house or is it me? I mean, it might be. It might be. Um, I also wonder, like, is it a ghost or is it my subconscious, like, either replaying an old trauma or giving me a new one? I mean, for me, I would just feel like it was a ghost, but it kind of depends on what you believe. What if it's also just, like, my weird imagination going off? Are there some kinds of homes or like some architectural styles that are more likely to become haunted? Yeah. Is it just run down and we are making things up in our mind? And okay, let's say it is. Let's say it is haunted, right? Then what? Then what do you do? Like, because if you try to sell it, who's going to want to buy it? If you don't say it's haunted, then isn't that false advertising? No, totally. Exactly. So my friend who's um, actually in law school told me about a case that they studied around Halloween known as the Ghostbusters ruling. I think it's called Stambovsky versus Ackley, uh, more like formally, but essentially it changed the law in the 90s that you have to disclose if a house is haunted. And the court literally said in the ruling, as a matter of law, this house is haunted, which is crazy because it's like matter of law is the most factual thing on the planet. So all of a sudden it's like something that's really not scientifically provable. But anyway, maybe it varies state by state. I'm not really sure. Okay, so then let's say that you do have to disclose that it's haunted and then nobody wants it. Like, what are you supposed to do? 
Or like, can you, is renovating going to help? Will that make them go away? Is there, that's not ever going to work. So you just have to demolish the entire house and start from scratch. Also like, does renovating actually make it worse? Because now the ghost is like, that was my favorite. Like that was my wallpaper. Yeah, exactly. I guess like my biggest question though, is why do we even care about this? Like I could go back and forth with you all day, but then I'm still left with the question before I go to bed. Like, why did I, why do I care so much? You know, like, is there something wrong with us or is this stuff actually just really interesting and important and worth talking about? I like to think it is. There's definitely a few things wrong with us. Um, But I actually, I don't think it's this. Like, I just, I don't. But that is why we are bringing experts on to talk to us, just to be sure. Um, So basically, this is all a ploy to get free therapy. So we actually weren't supposed to even have a guest on this first episode. But then Hadley told me about her college professor who actually has dedicated his career to understanding ghost stories and folklore. Yeah, I didn't even take his ghost class because he does have one. Um, But I didn't learn about it until my senior year while in his mythology course. Um, And every day, you know, I was like the annoying kid in the front of the class, raising my hand every two seconds. I can totally see that. But I probably would have done it too because we had a quick call with him just to see if he was interested in coming on the show. And I was sold in like five seconds. So we decided to bring him on today and we're hoping he can help us understand just where our obsession with ghosts even comes from Um, before we embark on this four-week journey studying haunted houses, it would help to feel a little validated. He's just one of those people who is so passionate that it's infectious. So he knows what he's talking about. I'm just going to go ahead and introduce you to him. Professor Talk Thompson received his Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology from Harvard, his Master's in Folklore, and a PhD in Anthropology from UC Berkeley. He's also published two books, edits the book series Myths and Theory and Everyday Life for Oxford University Press, and he's an active member of the American Folklore Society. Wow. He's traveled the world studying folklore and interviewing communities about their beliefs and, um, you know, hearing about their local legends and the various origin stories that have shaped their culture and the accompanying practices that inform everyday life. Well, I hope he's ready for all 1,000 of my questions. I just hope he remembers me. All right. Well, let's go find out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So thank you for being here today. I'm really excited. Great. Well, I'm very happy to be here. And um, yeah, it's good to be invited to things by former students of mine. So that always is wonderful. So Alyssa and I just finished talking about how we're both obsessed with ghost stories and haunted houses, but we're trying to understand why we're so fascinated. Why do we like scaring ourselves? And oftentimes, most of these houses and the stories overlap with true crime, which we know is super popular too, but is also a really heavy topic. So why do you think we keep passing on these stories and consuming them? Yeah, well, a huge question. So it's interesting to see when people are really telling a lot of ghost stories and something's going on, right? And then then that'll tell you something about 
uh, 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 that particular time period in that particular culture. Uh, but certainly, uh, ghosts are um, around most of the world, right? Most traditions, most cultures all around the world have traditions of ghosts. And we seem to have had them for a very long time. There's a tremendous cultural weight um, to our belief in ghosts. Uh, one of the things that I find really interesting about it, this in general is that it's really not supported by the officials, right? Even in modern America anyway, you know, science really doesn't tell you to believe in ghosts. And most organized religions really don't tell you to believe in ghosts. Um, and yet people believe in ghosts, right? So th I think this is really interesting. This is kind of folklore at its finest because there's something else going on. People often think, well, people are either going to believe science or they're going to believe their religious leaders, and not always, right? Sometimes people have their own ideas uh, about what's going on, and this is passed on in terms of very often of stories. So ghosts also have an interesting, uh, at least in modern America, an interesting role in that they are really you know, such a uh, uh, um, well-believed and well-discussed, completely unofficial part of our cultures. Uh, very often, houses make a good sort of repository for these stories. And very often, if you think houses, even if they're not mansions, they're very often um, not well-maintained. Like, they're falling apart. Mm -hmm. uh, because this is also the idea of something being haunted. It's not It's not a fun time. You know, it's associated somehow with death and, and decay. Uh, so there tends to be some themes still in, in terms of what houses get uh, um, selected as, as a good haunted house. And again, a lot of it may be, you know, rooted in some kind of historical event, right? You know, some kind of horrible the event happens at this house and lots of people get killed or something. Yes, that could be remembered. And in fact, uh, you know, it's so common. You could you search the news for like, you know, haunted house realty or something. And there's, again and again, uh, people will like buy a house and then demand to, to break the deal because, they, you know, it's haunted. Uh, this this happens mm -hmm. all the time in the world of real estate. So to the fact that we're in the United States now, you're required as a real estate agent, if the house is known to be a haunted house, you are legally required to disclose this fact to any potential buyers. So you can see that being, you know, the idea of haunted houses is is it's not really official, but but is, but is so ubiquitous in our society that it has real a lot of different roles to play. Yeah. So obviously, stories about abandoned or maybe reportedly haunted asylums, churches, prisons, et cetera, more like official government buildings are terrifying. But what is it about haunted houses that somehow makes those even scarier? You know, people spend a lot of time in houses, right? This is your home. This is, uh, you invest a lot of your time and uh, uh, your being in homes. Um, and so very often, you know, people live out their lives perhaps in one home. Uh, and so when they die, very often they die at that home. So, uh, you know, homes are where we invest a lot of our, ourselves at this point. Uh, and we have for a long time. When, like, someone who's older and passes away in a home or something, and then they remain in the home because their items are still there. Sure. What do you think about the idea of, like, an item becoming haunted? And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens one. all the time. And the house being, you can think of that as a large item, but also a lot of items in that house that all kind of come together to create the home, right? And uh, so sometimes it's one object, like the, the mirror is probably the most common one. Yeah. Right? And people spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. There's all superstitions about mirrors. What happens when you break one? What yeah. Can you get a secondhand mirror? Uh, a lot of people don't like secondhand mirrors, you know. Mm -hmm. But there can also be items, usually special items associated with the person or something. So there's this idea that objects can soak up a person's essence. Some societies, this is very purposely laid out, and, and practitioners can trap people's essence in objects, and, and it can get very complex. Uh, but there's certainly a, a widespread um, beliefs in that some objects can be sort 
sort of imbued with someone's soul. Uh, and there's other reasons, too. I mean, there's this idea of, of what types of homes are haunted, what types of houses. And if you think mm-hmm. of a classic haunted house, like Scooby-Doo, right? A classic haunted house. <laughs> it's, it's going to be kind of a mansion. It's going to be kind of a, a, a run-down mansion, right? So there's a specific type of ideal haunted house. And in fact, if you have sort of a, in, in your town a sort of run-down mansion at the edge of town, it will very likely attract those sorts of stories because it's seen that's the acceptable sort of house to become haunted. So now we're narrowing in on a very specific cultural tradition that has a, a, a very interesting history in, in Western discourse. Uh, and this really goes back to the idea of the Gothic. So uh, if you really want to understand kind of the history of why a particular house is considered to be uh, extremely hauntable, uh, then you're going back into a very interesting sort of uh, medieval history uh, and, and, and the origins of the Gothic. Um, and so the idea of the Gothic is an architecture that was reflected in a lot of these early mansions, that uh, flowery, more nature-laden uh, architectural uh, flourishes uh, this is kind of anti-classicist, right? The Romans and Greeks were all straight lines, and they started embellishing. Mm-hmm. You started to get gargoyles and 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 uh, all of this sort of stuff in architectures. This tended to be the aristocracy, and then you know when the aristocracy crumbles, right? After the Reformation, after the rise of democracies, so the mansions start crumbling. Um, you still see this if in, in Europe, you know, uh, grand old family manners, and the family really can't afford to keep them in good shape anymore. And so with that, the the ghosts that you find a lot of these times the idea of the gothic novel always takes place in some kind of gothic mansion and it's really talking about the fall of the aristocracy and and, you know they they tended to be uh, um, sort of living in the past Uh, they tended to have skeletons in the closet sometimes literally right people in the dungeons that they had tortured or killed or whatnot uh, there was a lot of, you know, uh, abuses of power within the aristocracy maybe particularly as they were trying to cling to power um, so these became the haunted past. This is what people were haunted by, right, is, is the continuing uh, grip of the aristocracy. And this translates really well, of course, into the Southern Gothic, right, where it's, again, the plantations mm-hmm. uh, after slavery is abolished and, the, and that kind of uh, economy vanishes. Uh, you still have the grand old, the old houses, but a lot of people couldn't afford to keep them up. Uh, and they, mm-hmm. they fall. That order falls. Certain ghost stories of the American South centered on the plantation. And there's reasons for this, right? It's like this is the Southern mm-hmm. Gothic idea that was explored in, in the literary realm. Uh, you know, the big one of the big tropes about America is that uh, uh, about building on sacred Native American burial ground. Right? And this comes mm-hmm. up again and again and again in movies and stuff. And it's kind of true, right? This sort of replicates America's history. America is built on a lot of sacred Native burial ground. What those ghosts are, what people are haunted by, uh, says something about the people involved. Um, and, that, and that shows some interesting historical lineages there. We're, we're haunted by moral transgressions, right? I mean, why do ghosts show up? Because something horrible was done to them and, and it hasn't been appeased, right? It hasn't been taken care of. What people are haunted by tells you a lot about what ethically they felt went wrong. And that's a folk process that's kept alive during ghost stories. Yeah, right? it kind of goes back to what you were saying about that earlier. How yeah, the way that yeah. these stories are passed down isn't the same way that like science is disseminated in a textbook. Right. And so these more... ghost stories are very important because they provide another um, view of history very often, another view of what happened, mm-hmm. you know, to make, I think, important points about our society, about, you know, what's the right thing to do in the, in the future. 
You can't change the past, yeah. right? But very often in ghost stories, there is a sort of nice possibility that the ghost can be appeased, that you can acknowledge wrongs, you know, give them a proper burial, whatever the case may be, right? Mm -hmm. So this give out the hope that, you know, we can atone for our sins. We can, we can set things right. And I think that's a really powerful ethical message to consider. And I wonder how different the idea of a ghost, if it's less sinister in a different, in an area where it's not the same sort of, you know, like Anglo-Saxon origin stories. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's different types of ghosts even within our society. I mean, there's, you, mm -hmm. I, I, I like to think of like the two types of sort of, you know, wanted and unwanted ghosts. The most common ghost story in the United States is someone who sees, you know, someone who's passed away, someone dearly beloved, like their grandparent or something, right? And then and they're worried about it, and they went to the funeral, and two weeks later, you know, their grandmother appears and says, it's okay, I'm okay. And very often spouses keep being visited by their dead spouse. You know, you think about the medical condition, they call the phantom limb, right? If you lose like a limb in an auto accident or something, very often people still kind of feel it, and sometimes it itches, and especially for long married couples, finishing each other's sentence and stuff, and all of a sudden that other person is not there, and maybe they still are there somewhat for the other person, right? So, uh, but then the idea of the haunting, right? That that that's the malevolent ghost um, that that have a bone to pick, right? They're 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 not happy um, for some reason. They haven't moved on to the spirit realm uh, for what reason. <laughs> and so this is something that very often requires or or asks for uh, a resolution, right? How is this going to be resolved? We tend to emphasize the haunting. When you think ghost, you think spooky, bad ghost. Usually, you don't think grandma, right? Uh, a lot of other cultures really emphasize the ancestral ghost. The Japanese tradition, for example, they're, 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 Japan is incredibly built around uh, uh, ghosts and the whole Oban festival uh, that is widespread throughout a lot of East Asia is where it's sort of like Christmas, except you sort of set a place for the dead and you invite them in to eat with you again. It's the main celebration. Uh, wow. So in some cultures, ghost belief is really much more built in. Um, I know in Taiwan, well over 95% of the population says, yes, they believe in ghosts. Even their calendar is built around, like the ghost month, you know, things shut down. You don't have court cases. It's, so it's built into the actual, the official uh -huh. uh, 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 way that the uh, system works in Taiwan. Uh, France tends to have a low uh, belief in ghosts. On the other hand, they see a lot mm -hmm. of saints. From the perspective of folklore, is there a difference between a ghost and a demon? Uh, it, it tends to be, yes. Now, again, you ask the person on the street, everybody might have their own ideas, but um, in, in generally, demon is considered to be associated with something satanic, like uh, not a, usually not a human soul. Um, and so a ghost tends to be thought of uh, uh, as a human soul. There's usually one uh, ghost per person, which, which aligns with our idea. Do you have one soul per person? Not every culture has that. So West African people have two souls. In ancient Egypt, people had five souls. So, uh, you know, even what is a soul or what is a ghost has, has enormous variation. Uh, but this really gives you a sense of, of the richness of the tradition and then all the different ways you can look at it. Yeah, you do see different, a lot of different cultural flavors. Here's a real common story. Uh, a family is driving down in their car, down the road, at night, some long trip, and all of a sudden they see this figure in white right by the road, and they screech on their brakes, like, what is that? And then they notice that the bridge was out right in front of them. 
right? So what was that figure and why? How did she warn us? You know, was it someone who had fallen off here before and now warns people? So one person in the car might say, oh, no, that was the angel, right, coming to save us or guardian angel. Another person in the car might say, oh, that was a ghost, clearly of a lady who <laughs> fell over here. Somebody else might have a third explanation, right? Oh, no, it was just some strange lady in white hitchhiker there for some reason who disappeared, right? Or somebody said, oh, we have made it all up. In other words, you, you have the same car or the same people. They all saw the same thing, and they might have five different sort of explanations for it. Um, so there's a few that come up. Is it an angel? Is it a ghost? Is it an alien? Is it a fairy? A lot of it depends on where you're from. Totally. So that's what's wonderful about studying other cultures, studying other places, studying other regions, because then you start realizing, oh, there's a reason why this type of house is haunted, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, yeah, so I think there's some really interesting cultural messages that are always being uh, passed along with these stories. So uh, the different cultures, what is the most appropriate place? And so you, you, you see different themes. I mean, Gothic architecture, the White, the White House, right, is, is supposed to be haunted. Ghost of Abraham mm -hmm. Lincoln is, uh, has been seen by many people, um, including world leaders. If you look around haunted houses, the ones that people talk about, the, these do tend to be nice places. Right? They, they, they do tend to be a little bit on the moneyed side, right? which tends to suggest that maybe there are some ethical issues with mm -hmm. the way that we, you know, distribute wealth in our society, that maybe yeah. there are some ethical problems of being super rich. Uh, if these are the mm -hmm. places that tend to be haunted. Um, well, haunted or not, I feel like most people at one point or another in their life are creeped out by either the attic or the basement. So I was wondering, is there like an origin story to that? Or is it just some weird natural phenomenon that we are just all scared of that? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. You're absolutely right. So if you're like, you know, in a house, where do people see the ghost? Right? And so it's usually in the basement, the attic, the stairs. You know, uh, in, in a building, very often the elevators, if there's an elevator. Um, so, um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, folklorists have, have looked at this and said, okay, you know, what, why, right? And um, a couple of things that come out, the idea of the liminal uh, comes up a lot. And liminal means you don't quite fit this, you don't quite fit that, right? It's not, neither here nor there, betwixt and between, right? A liminal is kind of where the magic happens, like we like to say in folklore. It's the, the witching hour. It's, ghosts are inherently liminal beings because they're here but they're not here they're from the past but they're not from the past they're dead but they're standing in front of me right so they're very liminal by their very nature and so if you look at these areas in the house these are liminal areas they're your home but they're not really where you live right it's the attic it's the base with the stairs between the first floor and second floor liminal spaces tend to be where again where the magic happens very often at liminal times like you know midnight or something like this right it's like that anxiety of the in-between then spatialized, if that makes sense, like becoming physical in, in the home. I wondered too about like when, when things are though like dark or there's weird shadows, that reminds me of what you were saying about more Baroque architecture having weird angles and creating different shadows instead of just like the generic white box we now live in. You know, well, I, it's true. This sort of thing, uh, these sort of flourishes and motifs that are built into the house, it really accentuates the house as sort of a, a unique individual in that sort of sense. You know, even how we build houses, we very often make almost faces out of them, right, with the door and the windows off to each side. And we, yeah. we very much sort of make houses as sort of people. Speaking of just like light and dark, too, just about the basement, it's like, why can I go during the day? But then as soon as it's the lights are off or it's nighttime, it's like I'm, I'm running back upstairs. I don't know why. Like, it's embarrassing, but true. 
Well, yeah, the, of course, down in the ground, that's where we bury people, right? So there's this idea, uh, you know, things like that. And of course, the dark, right? We are, we are not a nocturnal creature. We need our sunlight. And so the dark is uh, associated with death for, um, for us. It's associated with, um, um, and that's when we see ghosts. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. The idea of light and dark has so many sort of almost moral uh, motifs, right? Or, or ignorance versus knowledge. It's, it's, it's a huge sort of binary in our culture and our language and our worldview. So, yeah, dark is scary. Um, so another thing, like college campuses are, are very haunted, right? You want to talk about haunted buildings? You, you, you got a lot on college campuses. So that's kind of fun. Uh, college students have a lot of... Uh, uh, ghost experiences and you think about it it's kind of a liminal time period you're you're an adult but you're not an adult you know you're away from home but you're not away from home and, and you know moving into this new dorm room and you don't know who was there before you you know yeah. the school officials aren't going to tell you right but you kind of want to know and so they're going to have ghost stories these are passed on by people choosing to tell stories people learn them pass them on enjoy them that makes me think of the class that you teach at USC. Um, and I'm wondering what inspired you to sort of create that class? Yeah, you know, I, I, I created that class right when I got to USC and I'm a folklorist, mm -hmm. but they wanted something that could uh, transcend. I, I wanted something that we could go into the literary realm, into the popular cultural realm, into the internet, into, you know, all of this. There would be an easy touchstone uh, for a lot of people. And I just sort of said, ghosts, right? I mean, that's, everybody knows what we mean. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, found around the world. There are different cultural variations from, of course, around the world. I had students from around the world in my course, and I make students turn in ghost stories, and I think the oral performance is important. They can do whatever they want, a funny one, a jokey one, a true one. Uh, so some of the ghost stories that I've heard from my students have been incredibly moving. Um, and uh, the whole idea of internet ghosts and the cyber realm. And so uh, this is always a very uh, contemporary tradition. And that, I think that's a thing. So it's, it's kind of located in the past, right? Ghosts are from back then, but it's always being done in the contemporary moment. Mm -hmm. Could you share um, either the scariest or just your favorite ghost story that a student has shared with you? I remember one student was, was really so affected by it, but this guy said, well, I'm going to tell him what happened to me. And it wasn't that long ago. And it was, uh, he was a, a, a freshman and um, in his high school graduating class, one of his best friends um, died and I believe it was by suicide. And um, he started getting text messages from his friend, uh, like text messages from the beyond, like saying stuff that only his friend would know. And he would try to get, you know, try to return the thing and there was no return. And, and, then, uh, and then he went to his friend's funeral and then he got, and then after that, they all stopped, right? And he was like, it was hard for him to even tell the story to the class. He was so freaked out by it. I could tell just the amount that that impacted him. And I've had a couple of students over the course of the thing have to drop the class because it's been too hard on them emotionally. You know, you know this brings up stuff in their family. And, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, you think, oh, this is going to be a fun little course. And I think students walk in think it's a fun little course. And all of a sudden we're talking about like death and uh, bereavement and, and, and ethical transgressions. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it, mm -hmm. it brings a lot with it. It's just, it's just some pretty serious stuff at the heart of it, right? You know, what happens when you die? So he never figured figured out where the texts were coming from? Oh, no, no, we never did. After the funeral stopped, complete mystery to him. So unresolved. Um, and and it was, he said the, it just yeah. really felt that like his friend. Crazy. And it was, uh, you know, saying things that only his friend would know. And yeah, so I've been really interested in the whole cyber ghost stories. They seem to be a lot. I, there's a lot of sort of text messages from the beyond. And uh, all, Are you all noticing that even like more that. with um, like online learning? 
Yes. Oh, yes, yes. So it's good. So you're right. So this idea of the online ghost is really starting to um, sort of take off, too, which is what, one interesting point about that. You know, I've, I haven't seen any old ghosts on the Internet, right? Abraham Lincoln is not on the Internet. He's still in the White House, you know. <laughs> But people, young people particularly, who spend most of their social life on the internet, you know, those mm. are the ghost stories that seem to be like the haunted text messages from the beyond, right? So it's where we spend our lives. So I'm tying it back to the idea of the home, right? Where do you spend your lives? Where do you yeah. spend your energy? Where do you uh, spend your soul? Yeah, that's really fascinating. Have you ever heard a story in the class that, um, like, let's say you did or didn't believe in, in ghosts when you walked into the room? Have you ever heard any stories that were compelling enough to change your mind? And is it usually because because of the power of that storyteller? Absolutely. You know, you, you, maybe you went to gr camp or something, and you sit around and you tell ghost stories, right? So it is always done, maybe for entertainment. So that is like, it, it does a good storyteller, you know, make a, a better uh, impact and plausibility? And the answer is yes, right? This is true with all mm -hmm. folklore, is that, you know, some stories are really compelling. Some storytellers are so good at presenting a performance that you really want to believe, no matter how, you know, ridiculous the story may be, right? So there's, a, there's an aesthetics to belief. Uh, and that's something mm -hmm. we're not, we don't really think of when you study science, you don't study the aesthetics of, you know, two plus two. Uh, religion doesn't really get into aesthetics. But if you really look at folklore, it's not just about passing information or testing theories. It's about aesthetics of performance because it's always a storytelling event. Somebody's always up on, on stage going, and next, you know, and some people are better at it than others. Right, take the same story, have two people to tell it, you know, one person's going to be more believable for whatever reason. That's really interesting. Um, now I'm thinking, I'm like, I hope I'm a good storyteller for the purpose of this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like ghost tour guides are so good at it too. And it almost becomes sort of like an interactive or like walking play. Some people say like, oh, we don't have professional storytellers anymore. And I'm like, yes, we do. Have you ever been on the ghost tour? I mean, that's what they do. They take you around and they tell stories about the places. And, and they always get across some of the history. They get across the unofficial history, which are ghost stories, right? I and mean, talking about what is rumored to have happened uh, very often. So it's kind of an alternative history. You know, if it is a haunted place, if, if a horrible massacre did occur there, um, you know, maybe there are lessons to be learned because something bad happened. So how do you help make that right? You know, I'm glad people are, are reminded of, of the horrors of the past and the commitment to doing better to the future. So I think it can be a, a real ethical force for good in helping people deal mm -hmm. with the ghosts of the past and deal with what they're haunted by. The words we use to describe a haunting and just how we always frame it really reminds me of the way that we describe a trauma on a personal level or a collective level too. Um, but this whole conversation has been really validating. Just to hear how widespread ghost stories are and the way they really impact our culture, it's nice to confirm that we're not alone and being so intrigued by this. You know, there's, there's real value in researching this stuff. The data back in that is that it's so popular, that people, you know, they're so widespread. Most Americans believe in ghosts, you know, most, yeah. you know, well over 50%. And of course, belief is never like a yes, no sort of thing. But in general, it's, it's very, very widespread in the U.S., very widespread in the world. But it says a lot about our culture, certainly. And, and they seem to have some real strong roles to play. Um, and this has been true for a long time. I mean, you have those sort of very specific site-based things very often. Uh, but yeah, what are people haunted by? That, that's always the question. So if you see a ghost, you should listen to it maybe and what it has to say instead yeah. of ignoring it. There you it. go. Uh, that would be my advice. Yeah. Ghosts are about ethics. We're haunted by our moral lapses. And so if we can listen to ghost stories, listen to the ghost, uh, we, can, we can be better informed about how to be better people.
And, and I think that's the real, you know, utility I see in ghost stories. Uh, and it's not some religious leader or some political leader or some scientist telling it. You know, it's, it's the voice of the people. These things circulate widely. If the ghosts are out there speaking to people, uh, they're probably doing it for a very good reason. This was literally the highlight of my summer. <laughs> Maybe if you could just tell our listeners where can they find your books or guest appearances or anything that you think is um, that you'd recommend to listen to or read. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I published on uh, Ghost Belief in a number of things, and uh, but I also have a couple of books out. One is The Truth of Myth, written with Greg Shrimp, and uh, we look at mythology around the world with these sort of creation stories. Look, this is how it works. Um, so uh, you can really get a, um, some interesting cultural, cross-cultural views of how different cultures really view the world by looking at their uh, mythology stories. In the same way that that's how I use ghost stories, right, to try to look at cultures around the world. Uh, the other book that I have out recently is Post-Human Folklore, and this is sort of rethinking what we mean when we say human. There's two main threads to this. One is sort of the animal turn, now that we know that animals are very conscious, and, and look at the way that this idea that humans are completely separate from animals has been built into uh, our vocabulary, our culture. Uh, and the other one is with the cyber realm. Right, this idea of like, what is it to be a cyborg? What is it to spend all my social life through Zoom, right? So, so what is that when we, when we link up our lives with machines and, and with the digital interfaces? Another interesting aspect to think about androids. You know, now that we actually are sort of producing androids, this comes with a lot of ethical questions, right? How do you treat your android? Do you do anything you want with them? Is it just a machine, right? So I, I could quite see that someday we may have Android ghosts. So both are available, you know, when any of your major uh, uh, resellers online or hopefully offline we should carry them. Great. Thank you so much. That was extremely informative. Well, that was riveting. I'm so glad we decided to bring him on. Like, I really do feel so much better now about our obsession with ghosts and the paranormal. And now I'm just like so ready to dig into the four houses. Totally. It, it made me like miss being his student again, just because everything he says is revolutionary. Literally the whole time he was talking, I kept being like, that's an Easter egg. Like when something that reminded me of my house came up. Me too. And I don't want to say too much. Um, it's so hard not to though. I need to go like bug someone else and tell them all about it. But when he was talking about why addicts are inherently creepy, that is a hot spot in the first house that I chose. Um, and then he also nailed another one when he was talking about, I'll just say a certain literary genre because again, I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. I'll tell you the whole thing he was saying about you know, mansions are the classic haunted house. When you think haunted house, you see mm -hmm. this kind of like big Victorian mansion. I was like, okay, he's reading my mind. He looked at my notes, but <gasps> mansions are a good clue for one of my houses and one of my guests. Okay, I'm going to think on that. Interesting. If anyone listening right now thinks they can figure out any of the four houses or wants to share a haunted house they're dying to know more about, leave us your guesses in an Apple podcast review. Yeah, or DM us on Instagram. I think both of our handles are literally just our names. Yeah, I'm Hadley Mendelssohn with silent H before the N. I'm at Alyssa Fiorentino. All right, well, I'm going first next week and very much in the weeds of my research, so... Oh my God, yeah, you should go do that. I seriously cannot wait to hear all of your theories about the haunted house that I chose, but like hopefully I keep my mouth shut. And don't spoil the surprise. Maybe I can just like mute you and block you on everything. So you just can't reach me and can't spill the beans. 
as if you haven't already. Um, but no, please don't. I need to be able to reach you. Okay. Well, to everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. And we are beyond excited to get started next week. And also, first week of October, officially Hocus Pocus season. So if you're not already, you should get excited too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dark House. If you're looking for even more spooky stories, head to housebeautiful.com slash darkhouse to check out some of our favorites. Or if you're totally freaked out and need a distraction, you can do what I do and look at pretty interiors to calm down. To unlock all of our exclusive home tours and get the magazine delivered right to your door, sign up for our membership program at housebeautiful.com slash join now.